Disciples podcast powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Welcome back. This is the first time, but probably won't be the last, that we've split a conversation into two parts. So if you missed last week, I hope you take the time to listen to that conversation and any of the other previous episodes that you may have missed. Today, we're going to be picking up right where we left off with Samuel Porsche, Kristen Thompson, and Kirsten Hitchcock. Like I promised you last week, this conversation has a lot of practical tips and things that you're going to be able to apply directly to your own context and your own spiritual formation. But before we get into it, make sure you've rated, reviewed, and subscribed to this podcast. I know I say it every week, and I appreciate your patience. But the reason it's important is because however you're listening to this podcast right now, there are people and algorithms and a system involved in deciding what podcasts get shown to the most amount of people. The science behind that is rating, reviewing, and subscribing. And you may be thinking that sounds kind of weird. And my goal for this is not just some number of subscribers. We want this podcast to be in front of as many people as possible because we believe that this conversation is the most important conversation that the church can be having today. So thanks for your help. Last thing, stay tuned to the end credits because you're going to hear an exciting announcement about this podcast. So let's dive back in. Here is episode six of the Resilient Disciples podcast. As we jump back in, can we really quickly just go around the table? Can I just hear your names and your titles just so people can keep track of the voices? I'm Kristen Thompson and I'm the Director of Curriculum and Content. I am Samuel Porsche and I'm the Manager of Membership Engagement. Hey, I'm Kirsten Hitchcock and I'm the Curriculum and Content Developer. Awesome. Thank you guys for that. Now, the first part of this conversation, we spent a lot of time talking about kind of high level intellectual big picture takeaways that are more directly tied to the conference. I want to pivot the conversation a bit to things that are more on the ground, more practical. So just to kind of kick things off, what is something that you've discovered in your own life? It could be in your own ministry and the kids who are in that context, but it could even be with your own children. What is maybe one thing that you've done? One thing that you, a practice that you've seen bear much fruit to use John 15, eight. I have an 18 year old and a 17 year old and I had to listen more. It's not, daddy grew up in a whole different time. And so my voice will not have influence or impact if I don't understand what they're going through. And I don't have to be able to cross every T and dot every I, but I need to have be empathetic, Mm -hmm. sympathetic to, they are facing way more voices than I did. I didn't have social media. I didn't have all these voices vying for my attention. Um, I used to get mad when I used to go to the grocery store and they couldn't count the change. In my era, you could count the change. You didn't need the computer. They, they, she's like, she's like, how much? I'm, I'm at the counter. The girl's like, how much change do I give you back? The, the um, register's not telling me. Mm-hmm. So I told her what it was. And I used to get annoyed. I don't get annoyed anymore. I mm. pray because she's growing up in a time that it's just not, they're not taught that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think passing the baton and having intentional Strong children's ministries is also listening to our children, understanding what they're going through. And it's not going to be the way we grew up. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the biggest things where there could be an issue is saying, well, this is how we did it. It's different time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to context, not to yes. like, it's yeah. like, it's, it's all about, we're in a different context. So what, yes. what, why has children, why, why, how has the church, um, miss the boat on this is that they, the, they didn't let their context evolve. They didn't, they didn't yeah. recognize that yeah. their context was evolving. You know, we talk about, so like 
even the word context, they break it down um, to like social, economic, and technological changes mm-hmm. that occur in your context that bring about the need for something new. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us, there there are huge things in the church that are in each of those categories. You yes. know, and you, if you speak even just to children's ministry, so how often are kids coming to church? Well, so Kirsten. 1.7 times a month. Yes. Yeah, that's churchy kids. Yeah. Churchy, so, that's churchy kids. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yep. so, you know, when you think about that, and that's not, um, and Barna's got some new research coming out about that that um, is going to be, I think, especially interesting for people to dive into, and they've done a lot already. But yeah. when you really look at that and don't, you know, get upset, like, Sam, I love what you're talking about with the people count and change, you know, okay, like, either I can be upset right. about this, right. or I can just pray for them and recognize something different's needed here. Yeah, exactly. And yes. so for exactly. for us as children's ministry leaders, and even I think what we saw at CPC and um, in some of these places where our tribe gathers is that people are done being upset about this for the most part. And they're really like, what can I, what do I need to do? Yeah. yeah. And I it's agree. not, I, I and they know, they know that it's not, only going to be solved with money. You know, I think that there's churches where you see, um, oh, okay, like let's just pump more money into this problem because that'll solve it. Or it's not just going to be solved by like getting the most awesome person or whatever. And so as the context evolves, like socially you've got that going on. Um, 23% of kids will grow up in single family homes. Mm-hmm. Today is one stat that's um, Pew Research um, had that one out. That's actually the most in the world. Um that of kids percentage of kids in single family homes. Wow. Um, yeah. then, uh, 50% of kids will witness the breakup of their parents' marriages. So, okay. First of all, some like a lot of them are growing up without parents that are married, but the ones who are, um, that is another stat that's out there. When we look at these huge complicated social factors, and then we look at what we've been giving kids, like, what are we presuming? Exactly. We're presuming this beautiful intact family that's well-resourced. Yes. You know, we know that obviously you're going to learn th- about God <laughs> through your parental units. Right. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and even for, uh, for people who have, you know, strong believing parents, like they're under a lot lot of pressure um yes. for their time and whatever that just mm. means it doesn't it, it's not anything again like going back to your saying it's not like do we get upset about it or do we say like Lean what in. what do we That's need right. here you mm-hmm. know and how can we be part of of the solution not to force people to be something they're not but to say like where what is god doing here how can we bring in what we have and what what is around us yep. to help meet this need and um you know, tech, technology-wise, the screen factor. So, like, we can talk about, oh, screens are bad for kids or whatever, and some of the stats, you know, it's like 50 minutes a day for kids 0 to 8, and um, kids... Is what it should be, is, right? This, that's, that? what, that's actually, like, um, one of the stats that's in the books is that, and then yeah. um, 9 to 12, I think it's 7 hours. Mm-hmm. So you can say... Wait, you, what? I know. Look at how fast that... I mean, that's yeah. how much that jumps when yeah. they're wow. in, like, 3rd or 4th grade. It wow. does jump, but I think wow. it's actually interesting, too. Like, if I had to go back to the researchers, I would be like, no, I want to see the stats 2 to 8, because, like, yeah. being as a parent, pediatricians are so on their... Um, the the patients about no screens until you're two and then two happens and this gateway of like all these fantastic kids shows 
you know, that yep. you can right. expose your kids to. Yeah. There's a huge jump. And I think anecdotally, we will all, would all say that 50 minutes is probably low for what yeah. you see in the two to eight range. Now yeah, totally. that's not like I'm not my kid. My kids use screens. Um, they are home from school today, so they are probably using screens right now. But <laughs> I, you know, and there's a lot that they do on screens that's really positive. And I'm not just talking educationally. Like kids are screen fluent. And I think that we need to just yep. be aware of that and realize yep. that they, they engage with the world in a different way because of that. And yep. it would be very mm-hmm. silly for us to, again, just be pouty about the fact yeah. that they're <laughs> yeah. using exactly. screens. And so how can we, how can we like use that as an advantage to realize, okay, in this culture, this is, this yep. is part of their language yep. and um, visual communication, like all of those things. You know, I think one of the, in the success study that we did, we were trying to get at, okay, like what are the things that, make your ministry not feel successful. One of them was like lack of church focus, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. family instability, you know, priority of parents, all of that stuff um, were huge, huge factors in not being successful. But again, there are things that can outweigh all of that. It's so true. Having adults who are speaking to lives of the kids um, in a way that their parents can't through the church, showing them what the church body looks like, giving them handles in um, in the Bible that they mm-hmm. can hold on to, you know, we're trying to give them handholds that will get them through life. And that doesn't just mean we were talking about this as a team. So mm-hmm. our solutions team that works on innovating on the curriculum. And one person was like, yeah, it, it's, it is handholds, but we have to be really careful. We're not just giving them handholds on how to deal with the negative stuff. Like uh, we're not just giving them um, perseverance or yeah. stuff that assumes that is we're also giving them things like joy. Like yeah. what does it mean to have joy in the Lord? What does it mean to That's talk right. to him with That's direct right. communication? Right. Like you're talking about Kirsten with your breakout. Like we're trying to give them all kinds of handholds that they can hold on to no matter where life takes them, the stuff that they have to face um, the, you know, we can't make it easier for them. I think we spent a long time as a church, like trying to make it easier on kids, mm-hmm. which I totally relate to because sure. I would love it for it to be easy for my kids. Um, and that's the not kids the reality. Are, that's not the reality. Yeah. It's not the reality. Yeah, reality. That's, not, and so, that's not preparing. Them and, well. and I yeah, think like that's the that. rub that we feel yep. like for churches who are like, it is not easy for my kids. So please don't talk to them. Like, like it it's is easy. Right now. Um, to give them something that, um, that is made of something stronger. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get them through. Uh, that's, that's, I think what people are really struggling with in trying to figure out. So, so and that's what, I mean, that is what we try to do in bright. Like yeah. basically like, here's the Bible in as much of a way you can hold on to it as possible and take it yeah. with you. But um, that regardless of your context or what's going on, that you yeah. can know this truth about God, that that is what's yeah. going to sustain you. It's but, not this yeah. specific very yeah. specific story in the Bible. It's like, no, what is what is the God-centric truth of this? That God is yeah. in control. So then how do you know? I'm just giving an example, but saying like, how do you take that God-centered truth? Because it's that belief that's going to dictate your behavior. We were in a conversation a couple weeks ago yeah. with mm-hmm. John and Kim Walton, who wrote one of our favorite resources, the Bible Story Handbook. Shout out to them because they're amazing. Yeah, it's like the um, old standard for the how old, to tell the Bible I mean, story. it's just amazing but to realize we're gonna have them on later yes we're gonna have them on on another episode so you should tune in Mm -hmm. um but it's realizing like how how do you help kids for a matter of fact all people Mm -hmm. adults Mm -hmm. to have this tangible that 
you have to start with the belief. You have to start with the belief and then that's going to lead through your behavior changing. We right. can't, we can't keep thinking that we have to flip it the other way for kids to be like, well, if you're, if you're kind, clearly you understand joy. It's like, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they know how, they know how to be kind. They know how to yep. act yeah. kind. And, um, I think that's where I, I get on a soapbox about this because I get so, I get a little irritated when we talk about the, the kids are the hope of the future. It's like, no, uh, I'm sorry, they're the hope of today. Yeah. Like they are the leaders today. You see them in their classrooms. You see them in their churches. You see them I as agree. they're learning. Yeah. They are leaders today. And yeah. so it's, you have to engage them in that way while we're engaging them at a kid centric level, right? Of yeah. uh, understanding like, what can they understand today developmentally, all of that. Mm -hmm. You also see them leading the other kids in their group to be like, and I know this truth about God. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. not, no, if we wait till we're adults, there will be no one left. The other part of it is, my goodness, stop putting all this pressure on parents. Like the, it's part of it is I'm like, I got enough pressure as a parent. I know I'm raising, I'm raising them. I, I feel it. I mm -hmm. feel what is at stake right now. Mm -hmm. I feel that you don't need to remind me that I'm failing again. Yeah. And but, I think that's something that the church has really misstepped yes. in for a while is mm -hmm. that there's been this, oh, parents, you're like, it's almost like we passed the buck in a way to parents and said, like, really, it's all on you. Um, then parents try to say, no, we just want to drop our kids off. It's all on you. Instead of realizing, <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is We are a together. Community. We're together. We're a community. And I actually, yeah. like, I have this theory that you could stop any mom in the grocery store and say, it's so sad that you're failing your children right now. And they would just burst out crying. Yep. Like, all parents are really close to to that, um, to that, to that point, feeling right? of, oh, I am yeah. failing. Yeah. Like I'm worried cliff, like, that I'm failing my kids, yeah. you know? And I yeah. think, and I think for the church, the people who are tuned in too, um, similarly feel like, boy, yeah, I know it's, I don't know what else to do. What can I do? Um, that we, we need to come together instead of, you know, putting, pointing the finger or, of like whose fault it is or you yeah. know, even pointing the finger at culture again, not yeah. helpful. Yeah. Just saying like how we, this is a new generation of kids. It I is. think actually these kids all know that people are seeing them as the future, but that's a lot of, you know, unnecessary pressure to you in a way of like, I, I can, I do want to be the hope of the future, but I'm also going to throw a tantrum that I can't put my shoes on right now. You know, like I think that we that's have appropriate. to balance. We <laughs> it's have a to real balance. That's what yeah. I did this morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and it, 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 it's just true. Any of us who are close to kids, we know that mm -hmm. like yeah. they still need help in the bathroom sometimes as much as they are the hope of the future. And so <sighs> like we have to keep that in mind when we're thinking about them and um, yeah. just what they need, both for both the parent parents and kids, because the reality is I actually think like God built, God built discipleship to be enjoyable and um, it, he built it to be enjoyable for the church and for parents and a lot of times we approach it in a way that doesn't feel enjoyable. Like we somehow we make it so prescriptive in a way yeah. that if you don't yeah. do it this way, you're failing. And, yeah. and yeah, while do. instead giving the, just like we're giving kids handholds, right? Yeah. We're, we're helping parents get handholds of like, yeah. Hey, here's how you could, we're, we're so excellent at modeling the blame game. Like yeah. we are so yeah. good at that. Yeah. What if we were better at modeling faith? Yeah. Just being like, I have faith that God hears me, so I'm just going to pray for us. Yeah. And that simple task that may seem overwhelming at the moment, just to, to model, be like, and when I'm overwhelmed, I just go to God. And I'm going to do that in this moment. Thanks for listening. 
We'll be right back. We are excited to introduce Bright, a new digital weekend curriculum for children and students created by and for children's ministry leaders. Bright is the perfect solution to pair gospel truth with engaging content for children and leaders alike. Our prayer is that Bright would help kids navigate real life challenges and shine as lights in the world. We believe the future of the church is bright. Download a free four week sample of Bright today at resilientdisciples.com. We have to have fearlessness in our leadership want to disciple the fearless future of the church um and it can be as simple as i was working with my youth group and one of my guys that came in he just looked off and i had my curriculum in front of me and i was just like man okay god what do you want me to do he's just off tonight and he's one of my leaders and i'm just like so i just asked him what was going on we started talking more his family's his mother and father are going through a divorce and i'm like do i lean into this mm-hmm. And I did. And we had a conversation centered around guilt and shame. And um, I was just explaining to them, when you're guilty of something, you made a mistake. Um, There was a consequence to that. But when you are shameful, you are the mistake. And it's a huge difference. And I tried to explain that to the young men. And more hands started going up. This is what I'm dealing with at home. This is what I'm dealing with. And it gave me a beautiful opportunity to have them give their parents grace to open up that conversation. Your parents, no parent are perfect. And we don't, you know, and it made them see things different. And we had a conversation. I won't go into all the details, but it gave space for that. So then after it was over, I'm like, I totally didn't even go through the curriculum. <laughs> I didn't follow anything. Yeah. And so the leader comes in, how did tonight go? Well, we talked about guilt and shame. That wasn't the that curriculum wasn't the for tonight. Yeah. I'm like, how did it go? And he, I would just explain to him. I was like, this person is dealing with this, this person. It gave us a chance to pray for our children differently. Yeah. Um, it showed them that, wow, we really care about some things deeper and more intimate that's going on in their life than what they even imagined. Yep. And so, and also they learned, one guy came to me, he was like, I didn't even realize the difference between guilt and shame. I was like, don't be shameful. You are not the mistake. I was like things. And then we just started talking all through that. And later on, as I was, you know, reading about discipleship, different things like that, I was like, wow, thank you, God, for allowing me to be a part of modeling something for them that if I would have just stuck to what I was supposed to do for the night and been afraid to step outside the box, we would have never had that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw them get closer. I saw some walls come down because vulnerability is a real thing. And if we don't, create a culture or an environment for people to feel safe enough to be vulnerable. We never get breakthrough the way we're supposed to as the church. Mm -hmm. And it hurts the kingdom experience. It hurts our experience in our relationship with God. And we're not as impactful or influential as we're supposed to be because there's still a part of us that is afraid to surrender. And so that's huge. That's huge. So we as leaders have to be fearless as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has to be a model. And I love when you talked about faith because it's either faith or fear. And it's a very, very thin line, mm. very thin line. Um, you know, the soul saying thin line between love and hate. It's a thin line between faith and fear. Yeah. And fear can stagnate you. It can stop you from doing what God says. And you know the word. It says obedience is better than sacrifice. So, um, but being obedient always, fear always comes in because you're like, you want me to do what, God? So we have to, um, we have to be fearless as leaders. We really do. 
Um, and I'm not recommending everybody scrap their curriculum on every night, but what I am <laughs> saying is um, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Discernment is a huge part. The third part of the Trinity is so, so vitally important for us to be mature in that area sure. so that we can discern timing of what God wants us to do. And when we're in God's will, it, it, never, fa- it never fails. Amen. Yeah. It never does. I want to go back to something that you said, too, about recentering and, and if we're centered ourselves. And I'm yeah. just, for all of you, um, how do you center yourselves? When you get bogged down as parents, when you get bogged down as, you know, your responsibilities in the kingdom, like how do you do go about that in your own spiritual formation? You know, right now for me as a busy mom, mm-hmm. uh, I, I use the audio Bible and I do it on my drive into work every day and I'm working through the one year chronological Bible. It's taking me a little longer than a year, but I have to, I have to do that in the time that I have and you know, look at the different translations that I am listening to to make sure it's not um, flying over my head, but actually sinking into my heart. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's one thing that's been huge for me um, in this. That's not obviously revolutionary or inventive, but again, like going back, I'm not trying to like bring it all back to my breakup, but it's (laughs) like, we don't have to Which we'll be going on tour later. (laughs) Oh my gosh, no. But like, we don't have, we often think it has to be something so so crazy or brand new. Like I have to encounter God in this, you Mm. know, or like walk around in nature. Well, nature is really ugly right now in Chicago, if anyone hasn't noticed. So like, (laughs) you know, like whatever it is, you know, it's essentially connecting to God through his word and through the people around us. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's something I think that's so key to in um, figuring out how that looks within our own context to just connect with people, let them speak into our lives and speak into theirs and serve, serve them and be served. Um, those are the things that yeah. I would mm-hmm. say. I would probably categorize myself as a doer. So if I'm not doing something, I am obviously lazy and terrible and blah, blah, blah. So I have this this inner self-talk for a very long time about if I'm not being productive, what does productivity look like? It means I have to be working with my hands. I have to be thinking. I have to be working. I have to be doing all these things and realizing that that has not been healthy for my spiritual growth Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And learned that a long time ago that that wasn't healthy and was forced into a practice. And I say forced because I did not choose it. Um, <laughs> forced into a practice of rest. I'm just like, mm, I didn't, that's good. I, maybe most of our listeners will be like, excuse me, you were required to nap. But like, yes, it was a school assignment. And, um, I was terrible at it. I, I thought it was the worst thing ever. I had to journal about it. And I said, this is the worst use of my time. And realized that throughout that process, I had to do it for a semester and realized through that process that I didn't know how to rest in just the fact that God loved me just as I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that has been the practice that I've had to come back to. And um, for those listening, I am at the tail end of my second pregnancy. And so um, let's just say fatigue is real and it's real every moment of the day. And so it's realizing that for me, like resting and for me, it was, I, I can barely keep my eyes open. And that was God saying to me, he's like, then just rest in my arms. Okay. For my time, for my season right now, it's rest. And what that looks like is sometimes it's a nap. Sometimes it's like just lying down and listening to a prayer that is just on repeat on a podcast mm-hmm. or, you know, listening book of common prayer, um, of 
pre-written prayers that have been someone has kindly audio recorded for me that I could just listen to and say, yes, that is, you know, God, that is the deepest desire of my heart. Please help me. Mm-hmm. How, how can I put that into practice after I rest? Cause yeah. I know that's what you're asking me to do. Um, but for me, it's just, it's, it's resting in my, in the, in the truth that I am God's beloved mm. and how can I just be his beloved and not I'm his beloved because I did that thing, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, modeling that for my daughter, modeling that for my husband, um, mm-hmm. you know, and just taking, taking time in that. I think for me, it's just, I have to, oh. I have to intentionally create space to just be. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And that's interesting. You had a nap for school. I napped through that. most of school and that's why I have a theater degree. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about for you, Samuel? For me, um, you just ended it with my word intentionality. Um, for me, I intentionally cut out time for God. Um, and I have to do that because if I'm left up to me, some days I'll spend half a day with him. Then the next day I won't spend no time. Then the next day I'm just, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. because things happen and you know, you just get tossed around according on what circumstances are going through the day It's for me. So I do 30 minutes in the morning when I wake up and 30 minutes at night before I go to bed. Um, I've been doing it for years and I just kind of, it's not a New Year's resolution, January 1st, but it's kind of reset. Mm-hmm. So I kind of reset myself because during the holidays, it got a little crazy. I wasn't um, centering myself in that intentional time as mm-hmm. much. So I kind of reset myself to the beginning of the year. But that's my, and sometimes those 30 minutes, is it's a definite 30 minutes in the morning. Sometimes that'll be 45 minutes or an hour, depending, and 30 minutes at night. And um, But I have to do that. And um, for me to get fueled up, I'm an introvert. I need to be alone and quiet, so that's really good for me. It's either really early in the morning before the wife and the kids get up and late at night when everybody's asleep. I think we also, in any sort of spiritual formation or any sort of spiritual discipline, we think, oh, this has to be the thing I do forever. Like this has right. to be, I am doing right. this thing. Mm-hmm. And when, if you told me I had the nap forever, I'd be like, you crazy. Yeah, 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 I can't yeah, do yeah, this yeah. forever. Yeah. yeah. And like, and, and it's there just some days I don't get the morning. Or yeah. the night. So yeah. to your point, exactly. It evolves. And I think that's, that's yeah. the part. I think what you're saying, Ross mm-hmm. is just, yep. how do you, how do you allow yourself to the invitation yeah. of you that time? Because God yeah. is inviting you into something. Yeah, and yeah. it's a relationship. It's a relationship. So like, what, other, what other yeah. relationship would you do the exact Right? Same? The dates my husband and I went on when we were engaged <laughs> are very different <laughs> than, you know, and yet the intimacy level is is so mm-hmm. much more rich now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so part of it's like that, that's the same with our relationship with God. It's, it, it's, it's, true. it's, it's your context is changing. All of that is changing. Yeah. And yet he never does. Thank you so much for listening to the resilient disciples podcast, especially all the way till the end. If you're still here, Odds are you skipped ahead when I mentioned that there was going to be a big, exciting announcement in the opening credits. So I want you to go back and I actually want you to listen to the interview. No cheating. Good job. Now, here's the deal. This kind of podcast rhythm is relatively new to Awana. But one of the things that's really crucial for me is that I begin to hear from you. So there's two ways that we're doing this initially, by email and by phone. So you can email podcasts at awana.org with anything. You can answer what does resilient mean to you, or you can answer the question, what gives you hope? More on that in a minute. But what I'm really excited to announce is that you can now officially call into the show. You can leave a voicemail at 630-289-5353. If you're driving right now, don't worry. I put the number in the show notes. If you call in, know that I might wind up using your audio on the show. 
but feel free to let me know what resilient means to you. Any questions or comments you have about the podcast? As they say in radio, the phone lines are open, so I can't wait to hear from you. Now, on one of those questions, what gives you hope? I think one of the things that is really important when you work with kids is to recognize that that work is inherently hopeful. And I think we can get bogged down sometimes in the day-to-day and in the sort of adulthood when kids are really good at breaking us out of that and reminding us that we serve a God of abundant joy and abundant hope. So by phone or by email, let me know what gives you hope. To start things off, I asked Kristen what gives her hope. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. This this tribe of people, um, they care so much about kids, hmm. uh, and I just like I feel lucky to have kids who are cared for by these people, and I think that um, I think that the church is, in general, recognizing some of the things that. We just need to evolve in over time. And I think within children's ministry, um, I feel hopeful just in getting to talk to the people that I talk to and just see in action um, all those people that there's a real desire for, um, as within the opening session, they said, God, we want your voice to be the loudest in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, that's the real desire of the church right now. And I think that's the real desire of children's ministry leaders. And I actually think like for kids who know enough about God to know him, that that's their desire too. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Special thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making this podcast happen. Go to resilientdisciples.com for more information and many more of these conversations. 